News on RTHK. AM, FM, and live online. This is Radio 3. Good morning, it's 8.03 in Hong Kong on the 22nd of February. Welcome to Money Talk on Radio 3. This is Peter Lewis with Tuesday's business headlines as markets start to open around Asia. Employment in Hong Kong over the past three months remained unchanged from the previous rolling three-month period at 3.9%, the lowest jobless figure since February 2020. The jobless rate in Hong Kong's food and beverage sector rose to 6.2% for the period November 2021 to January 2022. However, Simon Wong, president of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades, said yesterday that the local food and beverage industry was expected to suffer a jobless rate of as much as 15% after restaurants were ordered to close from 6pm. The People's Bank of China has kept banks' reference lending rates steady in February as expected. The Chinese central bank left the one-year loan prime rate unchanged at 3.7%. The five-year LPR, which is pegged at homeowners' mortgage rates, was left on hold at 4.6%. Japanese manufacturing activity expanded at the slowest pace in five months in February as output contracted. The Ojiban Bank Japan Flash Manufacturing PMI dropped to 52.9 after a final 55.4 a month earlier. Activity in the services sector shrank at the fastest rate since May 2020. Aviation startup Greater Bay Airlines has been awarded a license by the Hong Kong Air Transport Licensing Authority to operate commercial flights for the next five years. ATLA said the new carrier, founded by tycoon Bill Wong, can operate scheduled passenger and cargo flights on 104 routes with no limit on frequency. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by James Wong at Lead Securities and Sean Debeau from Eurozone Capital Asia. With a view from Japan, is Tokyo-based journalist and author William Pesic. U.S. markets were closed Monday for the President's Day holiday, but European shares have dropped sharply after Russian President Vladimir Putin said he would recognize the independence of two Moscow-backed separatist regions in eastern Ukraine and ordered Russian troops into the region. The White House said Monday afternoon it was ready to respond immediately with sanctions on the two regions, and the European Union also said it would impose sanctions. The Eurostock 600 index closed the session 1.3% lower. London's FTSE 100 dropped 0.4%. In Moscow, the Moex index of Russian stocks plunged 10.5%, the largest single-day fall since March 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea. Shares of Rosneft, Russia's leading oil producer, tumbled over 18% and are down 30% since the start of this year. The Russian ruble fell 3% against the dollar. Hong Kong's Hang Seng closed 158 points, or 0.7% lower, at 24,170. The tech index plunged 2.8%, led by Tencent, which slumped 5.2% after a post circulated online from an anonymous Tencent employee saying the company was facing further regulatory sections. The company denied the rumour. Shares of Alibaba fell almost 4%, and Bilibili tumbled almost 10%. 
After the market closed, Chinese authorities told the nation's biggest state-owned firms and banks to start a fresh round of checks on their financial exposure and other links to Jack Ma's Ant Group. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite was unchanged at 3,491. Shares of Genro Properties plunged almost 14% in Hong Kong after the developer said in a stock exchange filing on Friday that internal funds available for debt services have become increasingly limited and may be insufficient to address its upcoming debt maturities in March. Genro will ask holders of its $200 million perpetual note to forgive any uh, potential default that could arise from its failure to redeem the securities. The big four Chinese state-owned banks lowered their mortgage rates by 20 basis points in Guangzhou yesterday. The rates for first-hand homes dropped to 5.4%. Shares of state-owned Guangzhou Pearl River Development Group jumped by their 10% limit in Shanghai. In the commodities market, Brent crude oil has surged 4% to $97.35 a barrel. Gold is at $1,912 an ounce. In the, Euro, in the currency markets, the euro is trading at $1.13. The buck's at 114.5 Japanese yen. One British pound buys $1.36 and 10 Hong Kong dollars and 61 cents. The Chinese yuan is at 6.32 and a half versus the dollar in offshore markets. And Bitcoin has tumbled 8% in the past 24 hours to $37,000. U.S. futures have slumped in Asian trading this morning. Dow futures are down almost 500 points, and that's sending Asian equities tumbling at the open. In Australia, the ASX 200 is off 0.8%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is down 1.9%. The Cosby in South Korea has fallen 1.4%. And the Hang Seng is expected to open about 250 points lower at the open this morning. It's 8.09. Let's go and join our guests. We have with us James Wong, Chief Investment Officer and Managing Director at Leeds Securities on the phone. Morning, James. Good morning, Peter. And also with us is Sean Debeau, Chief Executive Officer at Eurozon Capital Asia. Welcome, Sean. Good morning, Peter. Um, let's start in Hong Kong. The number of new coronavirus infections in Hong Kong reached another record high of 7,533 cases on Monday. Uh, on Thursday, a vaccine pass will be rolled out, which will see entry to a range of venues limited to those who are vaccinated. Departures from Hong Kong have reached a pandemic-era high. The SAR reported 27,703 departures from the city in the weekend in 20th of February, according to government data. And employment in Hong Kong uh, over the past three months remained unchanged at 3.9%. But it has increased in the food and beverage sector to 6.2%. And as you heard there, Simon Wong, president of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades, said the industry could suffer a jobless rate of as much as 15%. And he warned that around 30% or 5,000 of Hong Kong's 15,000-odd restaurants may shut down or even end their businesses if the anti-pandemic measures are tightened further. Um, James, let's start with you. Do you see any light at all at the end of the tunnel here in Hong Kong regarding uh, the, the latest surge in the pandemic? 
Yeah, probably we can use Japan uh, in January as an, as an uh, example. But uh, that took Japan about a month to uh, for the coronavirus cases to peak and then to drop down. So we're seeing probably another 200,000 people to be getting infected. And uh, it's probably going to be better in March, uh, towards the end of March. And the other good sign is we've seen CDC figures and... Uh, the coronavirus cases in U.S. has been uh, picked. Uh, I think it's it's uh, been picked for about a week now. Uh, both confirmed cases and uh, the total death numbers have been dropped dramatically uh, since a week ago. So I think this is not going to go on forever, um, but we are just right now in <coughs> Hong Kong in the midst of it's uh, breaking out. So uh, it's going to take a while, but... but uh, it's probably going to get better eventually. Sean, we've seen, uh, as, as uh, James mentioned, it's been a pretty much a similar story, a story around the world with Omicron. Um, infections surging for a couple of months, then a big slump. But then all of those countries have then gone and eased restrictions and moved very quickly uh, to opening up. Do you think we're going to see the same story here? And, and should we do the same thing? Well, when we think about the financial market impact of COVID, I think the key eyes are all on consumption, consumption, consumption. And right now, we are clearly in a down in a downside of consumption in Hong Kong, and it's also having the same impact on the mainland. This will uh, come to an end, and we will see a change in the direction of, of personal consumption. I think that some of the measures that are being announced in the mainland are going to be helpful. And tomorrow we've got the budget coming from Finance Secretary Paul Chen, and I'm sure we're going to see some measures coming tomorrow as well that will assist in increasing consumption and re-stimulating the economy. And do we need to open up to be able to do that, to stimulate the economy? I think that we will open up. I think we will open up in a measured way. Each country, each time zone of the world has taken their own approach, and Hong Kong clearly has their approach that is very much aligned with the mainland. Um, James, what do you make of the, the vaccination pass scheme from Thursday? We're going to need passes uh, to be able to get into a lot of public places, including restaurants. Uh, is that a good idea? Is it going to help? Uh, it's probably going to help, but it's a measure that the uh, majority of the world has kind of abandoned over the past month. Uh, uh, I think that the only thing about the Vex passport is if it's been executed earlier, it probably will help a lot more than being executed two weeks after the breakout. Now, uh, we, I think the execution details are still kind of unclear, ambiguous. Uh, as long as the government has more details coming out, it's going to comfort the market and comfort the uh, the civilians uh, being uh, being in this mess. It's it's actually a kind of a madness right now, and uh, we we I, I think whenever there is a COVID outbreak du- during the past two years, whatever, uh, be it uh, uh, a Delta or Omicron, it's not going to be a good thing for traders for their mentality for their sentiment and uh, it's gonna probably play out in the market in, in hansang on hansang index uh, soon because uh, aside from the omicron outbreak in hong kong we've seen uh, smp uh, being uh, dragged down by uh, rate hike uh, concerns by geopolitical events 
so by about nine percent from the beginning of the year. And uh, during the past forty years or so, uh, there are, there there are about fifty fifty occasions where S and P dropped by more than eleven percent, and the enhancement index followed. There is no exception. So. Uh, in the face of this Omicron breakout and S&P being down, I think Hansang is going to uh, follow. Sean, do you agree? I think that we are definitely in for some choppy waters. But one thing I would note is if we take a look uh, since uh, the, the early 1990s, all the various major macro events, the one-day price effect on global markets is quite severe but it starts to dissipate when you start looking out one month and three months. So the current situation, be it the, the, the Russia-Ukraine situation, the price of oil escalation situation, the COVID situation in certain parts of Asia, I think that these might turn out to be buying opportunities when one looks out towards the end of this calendar year. And you mentioned earlier on the budgets. Of course, Financial Secretary Paul Chan is going to deliver his sixth budget tomorrow. What would you like to see in that that you think is going to help particularly businesses that are suffering, maybe the unemployed, uh, people that have lost their jobs? What would you like to see? I'd like to see very targeted, focused stimulus that is adjusted to reflect who is in need of capital, which businesses are in need in capital, and on the other hand, which sectors we can use this opportunity to stimulate. Uh, the financial sector has uh, done very well in the past calendar year. We have the, the GBA Wealth Connect uh, situation, which is growing, and that's pro- providing jobs. On the other hand, the food and beverage industry, the hospitality industry, the shipping and logistics industry, they're all having some troubles, and the people who work in those industries are f- clearly troubled. So we're hoping that the measures will be very targeted, the sectors that are troubled, and also we're going to see continued growth in the Hong Kong economy and continuing to make Hong Kong the, uh, the global uh, financial center for Asia. And that can be done through continued measures. The, the last set of uh, measures, which were targeted pretty well at all t- sorts of companies, weren't very targeted at all, were they? What we found was that uh, large companies received a lot of the benefits to, to lot, not lay off people, including companies that had no intention of laying off people in the first place. So are, are you saying really that that scheme was ill thought, thought out and we need to rethink? We are clearly in uncharted territories when we look at what's going on right now, and I believe that the administration in Hong Kong is doing all they can to address the, the suffering of people and the, and the challenges at business. But I do think that from each time that we have had a fiscal stimulus in Hong Kong due to the COVID situation, we've seen enhanced uh, rollout, we've seen better execution, and I hope that tomorrow when uh, Paul Chan speaks, we're going to hear about very targeted and measured uh, stimulation that is needed in those particular sectors. James, what do you think? Do you think the government has done enough now to help uh, those industries that are suffering, people who lost their jobs? If not, what would you like to see uh, in the budget tomorrow? Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen a lot of, of uh, criticism towards the government on their budget, on their uh, fiscal stimulus, uh, exactly like what you've just said. Uh, they, they have been helping the big businesses uh, with no intention to lay off people in the first place. And uh, in terms of small businesses uh, in the uh, uh, 
BNF uh, industry or in the leisure uh, industry, uh, I think a lot of small business owners are feeling kind of helpless. So I'd like to see uh, the government has really a detailed, targeted plan towards these small business owners. And as a, a permanent resident here in Hong Kong, I would like to see actually a grand scale uh, just giving out handouts. So say like uh, like last time we had uh, uh, consumption vouchers for 8,000 or 6,000. I think that's going to help sentiment a little bit. Okay, let's turn to the markets. Um, James, we, we've seemed to be seeing a, another slump in, uh, in tech stocks. We've yeah. got the uh, the uh, the Hang Seng Tech Index has lost six percent now in just two days. Started on Friday when Metroan plunged as much as eighteen percent after Beijing rolled out a new policy to cut the delivery giant service fees. We've seen ten cents slump five percent following that anonymous post, and now also uh, Alibaba down after the mar- after Chinese authorities. I've ordered a new investigation into the company. Are, are you dismayed? I, I, people were starting to think, weren't they, that maybe this regulatory clampdown was coming to an end, uh, but it seems to be uh, we're suffering a resurgence of it. Yeah, I, I, we, we made a call last September. Uh, we, we think the regulatory headwind is not going to go any, any, anywhere anytime soon because uh, talking about capital incentiveness, uh, talking about interwine, being interwined with everyday life of Chinese people. No other industry is like the tech industry here right now in Hong Kong or, or in China. So we've seen uh, a lot of uh, regulate, re- regulatory uh, crackdowns rolling out in the past year or so, but we, we, we think it's going to be a perpetual thing, or at least for another year or two. Uh, a, similar, a similar comparison or a best-case scenario could be made out of uh, the Baijiu industry, the uh, hard liquor Chinese industry, uh, back in 2013 and 2014, when there is a policy change that no public funds are to be spent on hard liquor. So the entire hard liquor industry was uh, brought down. The max drawdown is about, uh, average, draw, average drawdown is about 50%, and it took them two to three years to uh, to get through that uh, storm. So I think that the best case scenario for tech stocks are like for the Baijiu industry, which means they are probably in the middle of a uh, of a regulatory crackdown and uh, it, it's going to be going on for a while. And an interesting fact about the, uh, the Tencent plunge yesterday, uh, you said it's because of a uh, anonymous poster uh, on Snowball, which is the online uh, stock commentating uh, platform uh, saying that there will be a regulatory crackdown towards Tencent, but actually the the plunge happened before that post uh, took place, and uh, we've now seen a lot more details on the rumor, which means there will be no uh, insinuation or implication saying any of the Tencent game or any of the online games are having are employing a global server, or there will be no publication or marketing before any game is is, uh, is officially authorized mm-hmm. and uh, there will be some uh, thematic games being banned completely like the uh, zombie games like the post-apocalyptic games or like the uh, or, or like the uh, cyberpunk games mm-hmm. so this is going to make a lot of impact on the gaming industry in China uh, because a lot of the games that Tencent is or or Bill of Beauty 
ordinary is, is uh, uh, originating or or distributing have this kind of mods. So mm. if, if the, these thematics are being banned, that means they have to spend a lot of money uh, revamping their games, and that's yeah. why there is a fall. Sean, what what do you make of this? Are you dismayed to see this latest regulatory crackdown as an investor? I share James's view. I think that this has been well telegraphed. We knew since last summer that China is going through a policy framework adjustment. Um, but, uh, you know, there's common prosperity, which is clearly the impetus of these adjustments that James just mentioned. But we also have to keep an eye on digital transformation, tech independence, and climate change. And frankly, I see opportunity there, and we've been uh, ver- very focused on those sectors. Uh, We see massive change in climate uh, investing in China as there's a transformation there. Those are definitely technology securities and they have opportunity. And the same with tech independence. Uh, For the foreseeable future, the sharing of semiconductor related uh, equipment, uh, technology between US, Japan and, and China is going to be impacted and i think that china is understandably so looking for tech independence to develop their own uh, ip to develop their own semiconductor production equipment and and processes so i think all of those are areas that provide opportunities so tech is a very large sector there's different aspects and and while one sector has got it kicked i think other sectors are seeing great opportunity what what do you make of this new investigation into alibaba what what do you think's behind that we saw that the IPO of the subsidiary of BABA had uh, difficulties and, and, and was pulled at a very late hour. And, and I think that there is, you know, when something of this nature, this magnitude occurs, it doesn't just go, go away the next morning. So we're going to continue to see the government focusing on their, on their desire to have common prosperity. And that is going to mean that they're going to continue to investigate and, and therefore, as James said, we're going to keep thinking about regulatory risk when, when, when considering securities in greater China. James, in just 30 seconds, because we're running out of time, this yeah. new investigation into Ant Group, what do you think is behind this? Is it starting to look and feel not just like an investigation, but more like an, a vendetta almost against the company? No, I think it's more like a warning uh, or a reminder uh, telling everybody this is not over yet and uh, this being the regulatory headwinds. And uh, the, 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 we can see something preceding this uh, being China Sinda uh, uh, was supposed to be investing in ants, but uh, withdrawed their investment in the last minute. Uh, that, that was a good deal for Sinda, but they withdraw for... Uh, reasons are known. This is, a, this is the kind of uncertainty mm. that we do not like to see on tech Okay, stuff. great. Thank you both very much. That's James Wong, Chief Investment Officer and Managing Director at Lead Securities. Sean DeBow, Chief Executive Officer at Eurozone Capital Asia. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. up to 8.26. On the phone from Tokyo is journalist and author William Pesic. Morning, William. Good morning, Peter. And we've been talking, obviously, a lot about uh, the pandemic here in Hong Kong and the surge in cases. What's the situation in Japan, and is the government on top of it? Well, you know, there is some optimism here that case loads are, are peaking to some extent here. I mean, we have seen um, 
you know, these sort of cycles up and down. We've seen a surge in the last couple of months here in Tokyo, but there is some hope at the moment that the worst of the, uh, the sort of the case surges has peaked to some extent. And you do see the government um, at least tiptoeing towards rolling back a variety of different, um, you know, bans on travel. Like they're tiptoeing towards letting business travelers in. They're tiptoeing towards letting foreign students return. And so, you know, I think Japan right now is holding its breath, hoping for the best. But I think that there is a sense that things are calming down to some extent relative to where they were, say, a month ago. The, the, the Japanese government does seem to be a bit more reluctant than, say, they are in the U.S. and U.K. and other parts of Europe to just completely remove uh, restrictions. As you say, they seem to be tiptoeing there, but uh, at a fairly slow pace. They are. But, you know, then again, I mean, I went to Tokyo for Christmas to see my mom and dad, and I caught COVID there. So, yeah, um, you know, in, in some ways you can argue that uh, the caution you're seeing here in Japan is, is warranted to, to some extent. But, I, I, you know, I, I think in many ways Japan has seen these, again, these, these cycles where they've been criticized for being too laid back on COVID. And they're, you know, they are easing up to some extent, um, but they're not opening the floodgates. I mean, they are opening things to a trickle. And I think that they probably are about in the right place in terms of just experimenting with opening to some extent. Then, you know, the economy at the end of uh, 2021 did snap back to some extent because of, you know, removing some of the COVID restrictions. So, you know, I think the government is they're in experiment mode at the moment. Trying to read the Japanese economy is pretty hard these days because the data seems to be up and down. We had the PMI data um, out yesterday. Manufacturing activity expanded at the slowest pace in five months uh, in February, and uh, and the and the services industry as well uh, sort of dropped at the fastest rate since May 2020. Not doesn't seem to be a good sign for the Japanese economy. That's a good point, and also the problem Japan's having right now too is they're finally getting some inflation. The problem is that it's the bad kind. They're importing inflation from overseas. They're importing higher energy prices, and that is having some negative implications for business and, and household confidence, and it's putting the Bank of Japan in a very difficult place, because three months ago, folks were debating whether or not the BOJ would be tapering, you know, sort of easing back on their, their massive asset uh, purchases of the last few years, and that's off the table now. And so the BOJ is very much on hold, and the BOJ might actually be doing more to stimulate the economy. So, yeah, the economy did bounce back a little bit at the end of last year. But with the COVID headwinds that we're experiencing in 2022, it, that also is a very much a, a wait-and-see situation. And has new Prime Minister Fumio Kishida outlined a bit more about his economic uh, policies? I noticed he was speaking um, a couple of days ago um, about capitalism not being sustainable unless it's something that belongs to all uh, shareholders. What does he mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, he's talking quite a bit about a new kind of Japanese capitalism, which is basically about redistributing wealth from the, the top of the food chain to the middle of the curve, which is uh, which is a good thing, certainly. But I think Kishida's in a very difficult place because his political kind of benefactor is Shinzo Abe, who did Abenomics. And Kishida's now in the difficult position of having to admit that Abenomics didn't work. And now it's up to me to um, put some wins on the board. And so that's difficult for him politically because, you know, Abe's looking at him from the sidelines saying, be nice. Mm. 
but I think in many ways, yeah, Prime Minister Kishida is trying to put some reform wins on the on the scoreboard in the months ahead. I'm hopeful he can do it. Um, but when you look at the last couple of Japanese prime ministers who talked very big about epochal reforms to make Japan more competitive and raise wages, that didn't happen. And so, you know, with Kishida, I'm hopeful, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. We'll see. Okay, sadly, we've run out of time. Thank you very much, William. That's Tokyo-based journalist and author William Pesic. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. It's a sea of red around Asian markets this morning following the latest developments in Ukraine and with U.S. stock index futures tumbling here in Asian trading. That's dragging Asian markets lower. In Australia, the SX200 is down three quarters of a percent. In Japan, the Nikkei 225, which has just opened, is off one and a half percent. Cosby in South Korea is also down over 1%. In Hong Kong, looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 250 points uh, lower. Uh, oil prices are surging above $97 a barrel now. And gold is also up uh, as well, trading at $1,910 an ounce. Now, tomorrow is Budget Day in Hong Kong. Financial Secretary Paul Chan will outline his revenue and spending plans for the next fiscal year. I'll be here on Radio 3 tomorrow morning from 11 o'clock bringing you live coverage of the budget speech. Then on Friday, Paul Chan will join me live in the studio from 8 to 9am on Radio 3 with the Financial Secretary phone-in. And that will be your chance to put your questions and comments on the budget to Mr Chan directly. That's 8 to 9 o'clock on Radio 3 on Friday. COVID update is coming up next with Jim Gordon, Ada Wong. The weather forecast is going to be cold. The cold weather warning is in force. Overcast with more rain. Temperatures are going to linger around 11 degrees. And then the outlook is for the mornings to still be cold in the next couple of days. The weather will improve a little bit tomorrow afternoon. It's 10 degrees right now. 96% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Andy Shrosky with the half-hour news. President Vladimir Putin has ordered Russia's military to maintain peace in two breakaway regions of Ukraine just hours after he recognized them as independent. Earlier in a televised address, he said the Donetsk and Lugansk areas were ancient Russian territories and described the Ukrainian government as a puppet regime controlled by foreign powers. I consider it necessary to take a long overdue decision to immediately recognize the independence and sovereignty of the Donetsk People's Republic and the Lugansk People's Republic. I asked the Federal Assembly of the Russian Federation to support this decision and then ratify the Treaty of Friendship and Mutual Assistance in connecting the two republics. These documents will be prepared and signed in the very near future. In his speech, Mr. Putin was critical of the eastern expansion of NATO. He said Ukraine never had a tradition of genuine statehood and that modern Ukraine had been a creation of Bolshevik policy through Lenin. The European Union has condemned Vladimir Putin's announcement, describing the recognition of the two separatist territories as a blatant violation of international law. Western officials say Russia's buildup of forces close to the border with Ukraine is continuing despite diplomatic efforts to reduce tension. The U.S. has announced sanctions on the breakaway regions. Locally, an 11-month-old baby girl has died after being infected with COVID, the youngest fatality in Hong Kong so far. 
The death came as authorities announced another daily high for new coronavirus cases, with the SAR recording 7,533 infections. Dr. Lau Kahin, a chief manager at the hospital authority, said several of the girl's family members had tested positive, and the authorities would look into the cause of death. After admission, a uh, patient was started remdesivir. However, uh, her condition deteriorated rapidly and uh, has been found to be, have a cardiac arrest uh, at the noon times of the 19th February. He, he passed away uh, in the even, evening. The case was referred to the coroner for further investigation as the patient was just admitted for uh, one to two days. We cannot uh, identify the cause of death at this moment. The government says the team of epidemiological experts from the mainland who are currently on a visit to Hong Kong will extend its stay in the SAR for a week until next Monday. The delegation arrived in the city last Thursday originally for a five-day visit. The government said the experts would support the investigation work of the SAR's health authorities.